I'll rip your arm off. You what? Get your ass back home, get in the gym, and figure out what the hell you're doing wrong. Might be called the five-point move. I'm frustrated with the way our Greco guys from the United States are treated because they are good athletes, they are good human beings that, that want to win. we got to help them get there. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Five Point Move podcast. I'm Tim Hands, founder and senior editor of FivePointMove.com. Joining me in a second is going to be, of course, my co-host, 1995 world champ, 1996 Olympic silver medalist, Dennis Hall, as well as the 130 kilogram representative for the United States world team, Adam Kuhn. After Adam Kuhn, we have... Ellis Coleman, who's making his second appearance on the program after coming on last year. Everybody knows who Ellis Coleman is, multi-time world teamer, Olympian, two-time junior world bronze medalist. And he's also my daughter's favorite athlete, as you will hear when we get to that segment. The only thing that isn't great about this episode is my voice. When we recorded, I plugged into the wrong microphone channel, and so some of the time, at least, it sounds like I am speaking through, I don't know, a toaster, a tin can, a robot mask. Then again, if you're a regular listener of the program, that's what Hall normally sounds like, so you should probably be used to it. Anyway, without further interruption, let's go to the opening and hit it for episode 18. With me is my co-host, world champion Olympic silver medalist, Dennis Anthony Michael Hall, and also on the line is 2018 world team member Adam Kuhn. Hall, we'll move to you first. How has everything been going? We haven't done one of these in a little bit of a while. It's uh, it's going good right now. Just uh, enjoying a nice night out in front of my house, uh, sitting by the fire and, and enjoying life, man. It's, can't get back. Well, the connection could get better, but that's probably besides the point. I'm sorry about that, dude. It's where I live, so I, you know, screw you. That's all I say. Nah, I know, dude. It's 1998. (laughs) Every day. (laughs) Every day. It's 1998. Exactly. Yo, cool. 1998 kind of sucked. Let's go back to 95 and 96. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, cool. Guess what? Guess what? So, Hall, like earlier today, this is a true story. So earlier today we were talking and like he was telling me about some movie that like he thinks I should check out or whatever it is. And Plus, uh, come on, it's a good movie. Okay, fantastic. So he goes and he, I, I'm like, okay, well, what did you like order this on demand or something like that? He goes, nah, I got it from the video store. And I was like, <laughs> what? They, like they still have those in Wisconsin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah. What can I, I say? Last time I saw one of those. <laughs> Yo, in my town, they closed one last year, and they closed one, and there was an article, like a huge article on what's called the Asbury Park Press, which is like the number one paper in the Jersey Shore. And it was like this big news, like, wow. And people were like, oh, we didn't even know there was still one there, you know? <laughs> And, like, dude, that's how Hall gets his entertainment value. Like, (laughs) goes, walks around the little aisles, sees the little cases on display. if I could get some damn internet out here that would stream stuff, I'd get it. But I can't, so I got to rent video. 
Hence the reception. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. like, hence the reception. Wait, now, don't was... you get it? No, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, it's just crazy to me. I, I'm, honestly, I'm not even, I'm not even just breaking balls. It's like, dude, I've known you a very, very long time. That blew my mind when you said that today. Like, I mentioned it. I mentioned it to my wife later on. I was like, yo, Hall is still renting videos. She didn't know what I meant. She was like, oh, well, we, you know, sometimes we get movies. No, I was like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Like, he physically goes to the store and takes a video, and he has a card that they scan, and then he has to bring it back in three days. Yeah, no, serious. So my reception out here sucks as far as internet so i you know you can't stream stuff they haven't got a uh the underground cables or whatever the hell they do for the internet these days out to my house so it's easier it i get less frustrated by renting a movie because if if it goes out when i'm watching a movie i'm gonna get pissed and then it ain't gonna be good so it's easier to rent less frustration what are you going to do when they finally close the video store Oh, I'll buy a lot of videos. <laughs> I'm old school, man. I don't like that new technology. Well, that's fine. That's fine. It doesn't like you either. So Exactly. I'm good with that. I can't make too much fun of them because I got a big movie collection myself. I don't go out and run them. I just go out and buy them. <laughs> Dude, that's not even the point. I have DVDs, and I have even in, even I have still uh, VHS tapes. I don't go out of the house looking for them. Do you got beta? I don't have beta. No. <laughs> I had some of those. Well, beta was supposedly wasn't beta. That was going to be you know, a big hot seller instead of VHS, but VHS caught on. Beta didn't. Well, right now, Mr. Adam Kuhn has been back from the first world team camp for around about a week and a half. And now he is in Colorado Springs at the Olympic Training Center for heavyweight camp. And he's not alone. Um, I think, uh, what, world bronze, uh, Jim Dasmani, Acosta Fernandez from Chile slash Cuba yep. uh, is also in attendance um, and some other guys. How's it going over in spring so far this week? Uh, getting a lot of good training in, uh, getting my butt, butt whipped a little bit. So getting a lot of learning in and I'm hoping we're doing the butt whipping here soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, is it good? I mean, do you like the fact that like, okay, you come out of, you know, the base training camp in Eagle Creek and you, you, you got, you caught a, a touch of a breather coming out of that. And then you were already in Springs and you're at a camp this week. And then next week is Vegas. And then coming up after that's going to be Germany. And then after Germany is going to be, you know, Springs. yes, world team slash national team camp um, in early September. So, I mean, are, are you into this? Are, are you, do you like this back-to-back-to-back-to-back training cycle? Yeah, I'm one of those guys. I mean, I don't like um, necessarily, like, training hard all the time type thing, but being fully immersed in it, I definitely like being. It's the same way when you, when you learn, like, a foreign language. The best way to learn it is to actually immerse yourself in the culture and learn the foreign language type thing. While Greco right now is kind of that foreign language for me because I've spent most of my time wrestling folk style these past five years. I really haven't had um tons of immersion into greco itself so being moving on to camp to camp to camp moving through it 
as long as I'm getting those couple days recovery each time, I'd love every bit of it because I'm actually training Greco full time now. And it's the first time I've really been able to train this much Greco and get that solid foundation done that I did in Eagle Creek and just continue to build off that from here. So this is a really great opportunity for me to continue to wrestle Greco. Well, the question that I have, I guess, and because this wasn't, I mean, obviously this was, a, I mean, this was a criticism coming from someone else, but mm. the fact that, and now this is the second year in a row, so I don't understand why there would be any kind of element of surprise to this, but the fact that Eagle Creek Base Training Camp didn't include, you know, quote unquote wrestling per se, I would imagine that probably helped you, if not everybody else, but certainly you coming off of your your collegiate season and then jumping into freestyling Greco and going through all those events and everything else, I imagine it probably tuned you up a little bit mentally insofar as it was kind of like a little bit of a respite ahead of the buzzsaw of a training phase you're in now. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I greatly appreciate being on Eagle Creek and really staying off the mat. I mean, we were getting a lot of conditioning and a lot of running. We were getting some heavy lifts in. So, like, you're still keeping in shape. But just the keeping away from actually that physical contact, that wrestling, all that stuff, really made it great to kind of, you know, back up a couple steps to really make sure we're building those foundations of keeping your hips underneath you. Make sure you know how to move with your hips underneath you. Um, all those types of things because, I mean, when you get used to wrestling folk style and freestyle, you know, your hips are back and you're kind of moving in and out of position type thing rather than, you know, Greco, you got to make sure you're in position and hips tight at all times type thing. So it was really nice to back up and really start building those foundations. And it really helped for me just to really not to, you know, just so I can really focus on those things as well as it really kept me kind of chomping at the bit to get back, you know, my hands on a guy and get tossing type thing. So it was really good uh, mentally to get that breather where I'm not so much focused on technique. I'm more focused on my base. And then once that's, you know, cool, perfected, then I can start grabbing hold of. So as long as I'm controlling myself first, then I can control the next person. So it had multiple effects just to keep me in shape as well as um, backing away from just my opponents and type things so I could focus on myself. And that way, when I'm ready to you know, go after somebody, I'm really ready to go after somebody. My, my question, Adam, is uh, how was having Joel out at camp? Did that, did that help you a ton as far as learning? the base position and what moves come from being in a solid base. Oh yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate having Joel out in the camp just to really folk, you know, cause he really has a different perspective when it comes to it, to that base, cause he doesn't have that wrestling background. So, you know, coming in, he told us that, you know, he's got a different eye for these things. He's not looking for some of the things that the coaches are. So he's seeing different things that coaches are. And he just approached it a completely different way. So it was really nice to kind of get his perspective as well as combining it with our wrestling perspective to really figure out where our hips need to be, where our position needs to be. And uh, one phrase that I'll you know not forget him saying is always telling me lower and lower and lower. And I'm having nightmares of him yelling at me, telling me to go lower and lower and lower. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of that focus of making sure that I was keeping my hips in, but also remaining low, you know, especially because I'm a taller individual. It's nice to keep low and keeping that center of gravity low. That's how you're going to beat your opponents is getting your center of gravity lower than his. And he talked, you know, a lot about the center of gravities and how to get it lower and, you know, just a lot of different stuff that he um, really made me think as well as really showed me how these areas are going to work. So it was very, very beneficial to have him out there and just to have another set of eyes, especially on somebody who, 
um, need, needed the help and foundation. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I'm glad he was able to help you guys out. Uh, you know, it's a different type of training. And I think uh, one thing that wrestling is into is more technique based. And, you know, the biggest problem is we don't have the first part of the technique down. And that's your st- anybody's stance. You know, and that that's the tough part because without that base base position, it's hard to feel your opponent and use it to your advantage. Yeah, yeah, because I know just going into you know I've had the success in high school with Greco, and most of that was just I know how to push the guy harder than he knew how to push me type thing. So it was a lot of leaning and stuff like that. So being able to build that base where I'm. I'm settled in and using, you know, attaching myself to the mat rather than attaching myself to the person. It made it a lot easier to not get off balanced and you're in a good position. So you actually could toss people rather than just push them off the mat. <laughs> yeah. That's well, great. You know what, Hall? Do you know what I think of really big advantage for Adam Kuhn is in so far as regarding the, the core program is that, I mean, and this is absolutely not, to minimize the breadth of talent available internationally at 130 kilograms. But so many of those guys, even Turkey, who now makes a living basically on like, you know, playing for passives and step outs. I mean, he's the only time he's scoring offensive points is when somebody gets put down at this stage. But um, it's so many of the, of the 130s, even at the highest reaches of the sport, even the ones who are, you know, very technically sound. At the end of the day, they're leaning on each other and plotting so much of the time. They're not in stance. They're not in position. They're just two big bodies kind of crashing against each other, and then it's a war of attrition. Kuhn with the core position is going to really kind of see stuff and feel stuff that, you know, maybe not everybody else in the world uh, would be privy to. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. (laughs) Here, I'll go. (laughs) I really hope to... Yeah, sorry, I wasn't sure who was going to talk on that one. But anyway, um, yeah, I would really hope that the, you know, I know that if I can stay in a good position, I'll be able to get the, you know, get the spots that I want to and I can create a lot of action. I mean, that's what I've always kind of prided myself on is I want to be the guy that's creating action, the one that's scoring points type thing. I don't want to be that heavyweight that's just leaning on people and, you know, belly bumping a, my way to a 1-0 match type thing. I always want to make sure that I'm being offensive and I'm, I'm doing something to push the pace of the match, to score points, yada, yada, yada. So it's going to be, you know, a lot of work to make sure I'm continuing to develop that base because, yes, I've gotten the, you know, the groundwork of getting that base in and, you know, I've gotten a good foundation of that, but i got to make sure I'm continuing to work on that to get a good, um, good solid foundation so when I'm actually competing against these guys that I can actually use this stuff rather than I know it, I make sure that my body's actually using it to my advantage. So I'm hoping to be able to get that done, but, uh, there's going to be a sense of urgency to make sure I get all that put into place and, you know, being ready for Budapest. Oh, dude, you get in position, you'll beat the hell out of these guys. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope. <laughs> uh, one last thing. I mean, uh, not to uh, TMZ this all up, but uh, is there any kind of awkwardness with uh, Robbie or has he been a, has it been a good kind of connection there uh, working out in Springs? Oh, it's been great having him, having him along, um, getting a lot of good workouts with him just to work on my positioning and different things. And he's really taken me under wing just to make sure that I'm growing into the, the best wrestler I can be. So, you know, I, I can't thank him enough because, you know, 
if I was put in the same boat, I'm not sure I would be as involved as he is. And that just shows you how much he has a heart for Greco and a heart for coaching and, you know, just a heart for, you know, athletes and stuff. So, you know, I, I tip my hat to him and I, I can't thank him enough for everything. Cause he's, he's really just, you know, pulling me along and helping me out in every little bit little area. And of course, you know, with me kind of being the, the new toy in the room, you know, all the coaches are making sure they're getting their two cents in, which I greatly appreciate, but, you know, at times it sometimes gets overwhelming and stuff and he, he comes over and really kind of calms things down and simplifies it at the same time. So he's, you know, he's been through the, been through the ringer multiple times. So he knows, you know, what's the good stuff, what's the bad stuff. And he really, really helping me out both mentally and physically. So again, like extremely, extremely thankful to have him around. If you could, for the audience, can you describe what your field of study is, was in Ann Arbor? Yeah, so I studied uh, aerospace engineering and got a master's in space engineering. (laughs) Fun stuff. (laughs) Um, The president of the United States, uh, regardless of where you fall on the political spectrum, came out with something rather interesting, I thought, um, I think a month and a half, two months ago, which was the the concept of a space force. Uh, Is that something you would be a candidate for? To be honest, I need to do a little more research on that one first to figure out exactly what we're doing. If we're being, you know, actual astronauts and sending up there doing, you know, work on satellites or whatever, then, I mean, yeah, I'd probably go in because my, you know, the end dream goal is just to be a, you know, astronaut and be able to experience that zero G and, you know, all that stuff. So I'd like to be an astronaut myself. If it's just staying on the ground and just monitoring satellites and making sure that no one's shooting missiles at us then probably not my imagination just went wild with that like i mean the whole time like i I watched that press conference and i read articles about it and like i i go to the nasa website and stuff like that on occasion and i'm i'm like don't get me wrong i'm not i'm not freaking you but like (laughs) like I, i i get tantalized by the like space travel and stuff like that so i was like okay well what is gonna happen like, is this actually going to be Star Wars? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, with laser weapons and stuff like that, which I know that, yep. I mean, that technology actually exists anyway. So I figured you would be a absolute prime candidate for an experience like that. I mean, yeah, if we're going up to fight some space battles, I mean, that'd be quite <laughs> interesting to do, but I don't see many, many uh, Earth competition going on on that one. <laughs> so, I don't know. We'll, uh, got to see exactly what the, the definition of the space force is before i see if i put my, my hat in the ring or whatnot <laughs> can't believe we're even talking about it uh what you yeah, call it one. <laughs> wait 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 so i saw i saw a, a headline today I, I i didn't do enough i didn't read it okay yep. i didn't read it so not often i read something anymore i saw a headline that right now apparently Earth is closer to Mars than it has been in 15 years. Does that mean anything to you at all? I mean, not really. I, I know the it kind of goes with the orbits and stuff. I just it's a good alignment type thing. I know every couple of years you can get a you know decently close um, if everything lines up perfectly. That would I mean it would make sense. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't really phase me too much. Okay, uh, two more that I have yeah. in, in this realm. If if D Hall feels like jumping in, absolutely. Um, can the movie The Martian ever become reality? 
All right, so there's a fun one. So I actually was on a uh, group project where we were pretty much trying to do exactly that. Um, we got it was a part of an XHAB project with NASA. They would send it, send us money to kind of. So we wanted like a competition type thing, and so we were funded, and we had to come up with a design that could be launched from Earth, transported to Mars, and then actually start setting up a, a Martian colony type thing. So we did a lot of work on that, and I mean, it does seem seem feasible that we could actually create a colony with like a garden and all that stuff. It's just how far in the future this needs to be, and how much like the Martian it'll be. I don't really know, but I mean, it is. I would say it is possible. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we were getting some pretty cool little uh, stuff. We actually got a garden. I know uh, a couple of my buddies are actually working on a project right now that's how to grow basically vegetation in space because obviously with no gravity that's how uh plants know where to grow the roots is gravity so they you know grow the roots down so in space where there's no gravity you don't know where to grow the roots so they're working on projects to figure out how to either make an artificial gravity or just to kind of trick the roots into growing down that's completely fascinating see like it makes me feel better knowing that like that scope of intelligence is in our country and, like, we have that coming up in the younger generations. Yeah, I mean, I'm not the one to talk about the, the whole vegetation stuff. I stuck more with uh, a power and structures and stuff. But I know there's people just even in my class that are working on that stuff and, you know, doing really good stuff for it. So uh, it's definitely moving in that direction for sure. No, I think you've got it pretty well grounded. Um, all right, well, Adam Kuhn, it is uh, – you know, I think it's probably time for you to get some rest so you can uh, get a nice and vigorous, <laughs> vigorous, vigorous yeah. workout tomorrow. <laughs> yes, and that's another fun one. <laughs> well, awesome having you on. Uh, really look forward to talking to you again and have a, another productive week uh, at the South Point Hotel uh, in Vegas. Oh, that should be fun. Have I'm fun. Get some good training in. <laughs> All right, take care, Adam. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Bye. All right, we'll see you. Bye-bye. And that was Adam Kuhn in his first Five Point Move podcast appearance. A lot to take away from it. There's the humility that is clear as day, evident as soon as you start to hear him speak. I thought it was interesting he mentioned likening Greco to a foreign language and the best way to pick that up is by immersing yourself in it. And he's just a he's a big, strong, talented all-around wrestler who happens to be a Greco world teamer. I think a lot of people are excited to see what he's going to do. I think they should be. And he's just a really easy guy to like. So awesome of him to take the time and come on while he's in the middle of another camp in Colorado Springs. Up next is Ellis Coleman. Let's get to it. Joining us now is 2018 world team member. I think it's what? World team number three, counting the Olympic team 2012, fourth world level senior team, and two-time junior world medalist, Ellis Coleman. Uh, my daughter's favorite, by the way. Like, I've told Ellis that before. Dude, Hall, if I'm, like, ever on the phone with Ellis or something like that or whatever, if she finds out that, like, I'm on the phone with Ellis, she goes nuts. Like, it started, it started because she saw <laughs> clips of him and stuff like that. But then she, like, put a name with it. And, like, so his name is, like, a star name, like Ellis Coleman. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like Derek Jeter. Smart like you know, kid. 
Like, <laughs> you know, like Derek Jeter at Yankee Stadium? Like, Derek Jeter. <laughs> like, we do that with, with Ellis's name. And when I say we do that with Ellis's name, we do that with Ellis's name, like, daily. Like, literally <laughs> daily. We'll be like, Ellis Coleman. <laughs> I swear to you, like, she loves Ellis Coleman. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah, you got a fan. Big fan. Big fan in Molly. She's six. She knows how to do an arm throw. Um, to her credit, she knows how to do an arm throw, not because I have anything to do with it. I didn't teach her one or whatever. It's just that, like, she watches a lot of this stuff with me, and she picked up on it, and she, like, thinks that's the coolest move. And then, like, all of a sudden, like, I don't know, it was like late in the spring. She's like, I want to do an arm throw. I want to do an arm throw. And I let her do an arm throw. And I'm telling you, she doesn't even do it that. But I mean, she probably does it better than I ever did it. Like, it's it's okay. I mean, it's look, you're not going to make a tutorial out of it, but it's decent. Better than me, because I don't even do arm throws. Ellis, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what we were kind of talking about, and I was talking to Spencer, Coach Spencer Mango last week, is that you turn around and you look, and while you're still young and, you know, in the, you know, prime spot of your career at the same time, you're the experienced guy now. You are becoming like an elder statement, statesman of sorts, I guess you could say. So with that, I would think might come like a feeling of, you know, influence, leadership, setting in, setting an example, especially with the world team that has some fresh faces on it. Do you feel that way as well? Yeah, for sure. Well, definitely. Because um, if I look back and I recall my times being on the senior uh, world teams and I was the young guy on the teams, um, you know, there's a bunch of guys that I looked up to, a lot of guys that I looked up to and uh, wanted to be like them. And there are a lot of guys that were good leaders and stuff and whatnot, and that helped me, you know, better myself as a, a wrestler and as a person. So uh, it's kind of vital that uh, I could play that role too and uh, give back, you know, to the same way that they did for me, um, especially with the talent that we got on the team too. Now it'd be uh, hard to let that go to waste. Does it, is it like an added responsibility or is that something you take on gladfully? Like you're okay with, you know, hey, people are watching me now. The words I say, the way I carry myself, that kind of matters a little more. Uh, it's a little bit of both. Um, I'll take it on gladfully and at the same time it's a responsibility because, you know, when you're an athlete, you know, you want to focus on your goals too, you know. I mean, all these guys, all of us want to win the title as a team, but most definitely uh, we want to win medals individually and, uh at the same time, you know, you can't take away from yourself if you feel like uh, some people are bringing you down or whatnot or they're not buying in. So and at the same time, you have to uh, you want to try to enjoy yourself. Um, and I see like the younger guys on the team and, you know, they're just like me, how I was when I was uh, young and I was on a team. And uh, I want to kind of uh, sometimes, you know, you get the feeling of nostalgia. and You want to live down to that and just have that, you know, that bright light in your eyes and just feel like, you know, everything's new and just have fun again. But at the same time, you know, the consequences of everything. And uh, you've been there before and um, you know how much it hurts and how painful it is to, uh, when you wither your goals and when you hinder yourself to be able to attain what you want to get to. All right. So, Hall, when you have when you have been somebody like yourself and you've been on, a, you know, a bunch of teams and there's 
new guys, is there like a feeling out period where you're kind of like, you know, getting to know some of the new faces, getting to kind of help, I mean, maybe not help assimilate them, but like, you know, show them, not when I say show them, I don't even mean technique, but just introducing them to like the lifestyle of a world team member through the summer who's training for the world championships, the biggest tournament of their life thus far, probably. So like, is there a period where, it is important to, you know, like, quote, unquote, team build, team bond, that sort of thing. You know, I don't I don't know about that. I just know that, you know, I think what Alice was talking about is is being a little bit selfish at the same time. And and that's following what you need to do to to win that medal and lead by example. Pretty much, I think if you lead by example and and the way that you know, you need to be training, you know, it's going to carry over to your team members. And I think a lot of times guys just tend to tend to uh, do what the coaches say. And, you know, I, I think you got to do whatever you need to do to win that medal. And, and I think maybe staying after practice, getting to practice early, not being late, being respectful to the coaches and, and just having buy-in, you know, I, there's, there was a lot of things that I didn't like at the camps, you know, in Colorado Springs when I was training. But at the same time, I, di- I did all that and I did more. And I think leading by example is the best way to get your teammates to buy in. Tulsa, you get a, you know, a semblance of downtime after Tulsa. And then it was on to Eagle Creek Camp, a little bit of uh, breathe out. Now you're about to go to Vegas. After Vegas, it's going to be Germany. After Germany, it's going to be the world team camp. We actually talked to Adam Kuhn about this before, how it's back to back to back to back to back. At this at this stage in your career, everything that goes along with it, are you into the idea of having this much stuff in a fairly compressed period of time? Not really, but uh, I feel like, uh, you know, I, I don't really know as much uh as as the coaches do, you know, um, Coach Olin, he's got medals, um, so he's been there and done that before. So me, I always just keep my mouth shut and do what, what's needed to be done. I, uh, for me, the big the big thing for having it back to back to back is just trying to keep myself fresh and uh, not burning myself out, especially with uh, my conditions and stuff like that, uh, health conditions and stuff. So just trying to monitor my training at the same time and uh, training smart and hard at the same time. Right. And that was something I wanted to briefly touch on is how are you doing health wise? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Um, still the same thing. Uh, still have a C. diff. I just uh, I mean, I've, I've lived with it for a year now, over a year now. And so um, I know how to uh, monitor it a little bit better and uh, know what I need to uh, let down a little bit off the pedal. And, um, you know, I just try to cope with it and uh, see what how, uh, how I can keep myself at the top shape and uh, keep myself from burning out. Was not a problem this year for you as far as uh, having to do same-day weigh-ins and all that stuff, two-day weigh-ins? Initially, you know, when I first heard about that, that was, like, big, great thing for me. Like, and then once I started doing it, I never really had a problem with weight, but just recovery uh, was a big problem. But, um, you know, I, I had to figure it out when it's finding a way to win. So I'm still figuring it out. And uh, I think, I, I mean, so far I've been doing well with it. I managed to make it this far, so. Just continue to do what I'm, what I think works for me, and then uh, fine tune it and making it better. Because next year it's gonna be same day weighing twice. So, well, absolutely, yes. And scratch weight that second day, and it's also qualifying year at the world. So, it's a little bit of a different style of thing, I guess. <laughs> anyway, 
Okay, so the one thing I wanted to, to address was leading up to the world team trials, your wife gave birth to another beautiful little baby girl, and that's fantastic. The you know best blessing God bestows on humankind. Um, however, it's a newborn in the house, and newborns tend to not uh, observe our sleep patterns quite the same. What is it like preparing for another trial with what I'm imagining was a semblance of chaos going on in your house? Yeah, um, <laughs> to be honest, I can't give my wife and my mom enough credit for that. Um, you know, it's almost like uh, I've been just training the whole time without even having kids, pretty much. Uh, they pretty much, they carry, they wear the pants and they carry you know, they they carry their, their ruck and they carry their side of the uh, of the deal. And um, they help me out all the time with, you know, with the baby not sleeping or whatnot, um, crying, waking up in the middle of the night, you know, and me trying to get the proper rest or whatnot. My wife gets up and take care of the, takes care of the baby every single time um, while I'm training. My mom helps out while my wife is working. She watches the kids and whatnot. And uh, yeah, I mean, I literally like, when I'm there and, I, and I'm helping out, you know, it's by choice. You know, it's not like by obligation or anything like that, like get up because Every single duty that I want to get up and do, they're already taking care of it and uh, making sure it's as easy on me as possible. And, um, you know, like I said, I can't give my wife and mother enough credit for all of that. You know, it's crazy how uh, how much they do. Paul, you didn't have it that good, did you? <laughs> no, nah, not really. I mean, it wasn't bad, but, you know, I, I was involved in it. I, I'd stay up with uh, with my son when he, he'd be up with an ear infection. You know, my wife uh, ended up, uh, she was a teacher, so she had to get rest too, you know. So it was a little bit different for me, but at the same time, during the critical moments, it was critical to get proper amount of sleep. And uh, she'd take care of the kids at, at that point, you know, but it was it's a good partnership. It was a good partnership. And it's a good thing that, you know, your wife sees it the way she sees it. So you're able to train and you're able to get that rest that you need, because if you don't, your body's going to break down. So, you know, you got a good keeper, I guess. Yeah. And it's a little bit, I, I, I guess it might be a little bit different with my situation than most too. Cause my wife, uh, she was a wrestler. She used to wrestle for Cuba. So, um, I mean, on both sides, actually doing work around the house and all that. Um, that's her culture. You know, the women, they live in a house and they do all the work in the house. They do cleaning, cooking and take care of the kids. Um, so just by by na by nature, you know, from where she's from, she's used to doing all that. And so she wants to take that on and do all that. And so I try to help when I can. But she she likes and loves doing all that stuff. And at the same time, she's a wrestler as well. So she knows what I what yeah I, uh, you're lucky dude okay. that ship has sailed for american women a long time ago <laughs> like completely <laughs> i mean that just doesn't happen i mean it doesn't i nope. not so far as i know you know no, it doesn't you're right <laughs> <laughs> but no instead you've had like you know the absolute best possible situation any forget being an athlete just any you can whatever your occupation would be like Pretty you much. have it made yes you have it made well you know what's the tough part for ellis though and i imagine oh i know it's a tough part for you Paul. is that ellis what okay forget forget um forget what he already did throughout the season right 
whatever traveling he did throughout the season. It's just that Ellis went to, just got back from Oregon, you know, came home, gets a breather. Next week he'll be in Vegas. Then he goes to Germany. Then he comes back, got world team camp. After world team camp, he's going to be in, you know, Europe basically for a month. Like, that can't be easy to do when you have A, two kids, and B, one of them being, you know, uh, an infant. Yeah, for sure. Uh, to me, that's that's the tough part about making a world team is your schedule set around the rest of the team and what the coach thinks is best for you. You know, I I can say I didn't enjoy all the travel. You know, everybody's, oh, you get the travel. Ah, it sucks. I'd rather be at home with the wife and the kids and get my daily training and train that way. But you know what? At the same time, that's what we signed up for as athletes to do what the coach thought is right. And, you know, it's it's tough. It's a balancing act and you got to be able to make the most of the time when you're at home. Yeah, it's the same situation for me. Um, It is really hard being away from the family all the time. And like every time I, uh, cause I remember last year, every time I traveled and I came back home, my daughter was learning something new or it seemed like she was bigger. And I remember, uh, when she was first born and I was traveling and whatnot, I was playing with her and she'll laugh and stuff at all the little ticks and things that I do. And then like, I, I went overseas for like a month and I came back and she didn't even know who I was. She started crying when I started playing with her. And so, um, you know, stuff like that hits the heart and, uh, you know, you, you had, uh, it sucks being away from your family or whatnot, but you know it's for a bigger purpose. And uh, just try to uh, – the family tries to cope with you and help you out. You try to do the same thing. So I just try to contact my wife and uh, give her updates and send her pictures and stuff like that to make her feel like she's with me and stuff. So Yeah. The nice thing is is you got, you know, Skype. You got all the different mediums to be able to talk with the family and, and uh, see each other while you're over – these compared to back in the 90s man we'd have to use a phone card and talk on the phone and have a 300 bill when we got home so you guys are pretty lucky with technology we are do you skype your family a lot when you yeah I, uh, oh i face uh facetime use facetime uh, yeah. facetime my wife she always calls nice. and i always talk to my daughters so i can see them on video and see what they're doing, you know. So, Best yeah, but it's way different out when there. you were way different when you were wrestling back in the sixties. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. Well, Ellis, coming off of Eagle Creek Camp and moving into what's now Vegas Camp, Eagle Creek was about you know was strength and conditioning and team bonding. Now you're going to a camp that's predicated more on, you know, working your attack plan and, you know, your, your own kind of uh, approach that you might want to cultivate leading up to Budapest. Does the, the fact that like the, that feeler camp team bonding camp, the fact that that's out of the way now, do you think there's a greater comfort level that will be present uh, among the group? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, like I said earlier, we, uh, our last few meetings was good. Um, so we had a good consensus. You know, everybody had mutual agreement on uh, <clears throat> what we plan to do, how we plan to communicate and whatnot moving forward. And so uh, 
and at the same time, we all know each other, and uh, we were messing messing around with each other a bunch. I don't know if they put any videos up or whatnot, but we had a lot of fun together too. So it was good, and I think that uh, it's going to be fun these next few months traveling together and uh, competing together. You know, right now with going into uh, your last training phases for the world championships, what are some of the things you feel you need to be working on? Um, hundred percent, uh, parterre defense. Um, you can't get too good at parterre defense and, uh, there's just so many ways that, uh, people can score on you and, um, the foreigners are really good at parterre. So you don't get that feel all the time in the U S. Um, got a few guys, they had a bunch of good lifts, but a lot of gut, uh, gut wrenches and stuff like that in the U S and front headlocks or whatnot. And, um, a lot of people are good in their feet, but the parterre, the whole parterre feel, is a uh, much different overseas and a lot of people, a lot of countries uh, bank on parterre and uh, make their money from parterre. So uh, I definitely uh, want to work on, need to work on my parterre defense um, as much as I can before world championships. And then. Uh, so how do part- you get that feel? How do you get the feel of the foreigners on top? What I've been doing recently and lately, I've been working with Sancho. Um, Sancho's yeah. a really good uh, international wrestler. Uh, he's, Got a lot of medals uh, internationally, and he's been a bunch of tough guys. And uh, he's lifted almost everybody he's wrestled. And um, he has one of the best lifts in uh, in the U.S., if not the best lift, I think. And so uh, I just have him go on top of me all the time. And I've been working on moving, 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 and uh, attacking their lock and um, staying ahead of the, the guy on top all the time. And uh, the mistake that uh, I make a lot, I'm not sure other wrestlers make, but after you beat the guy already, you sit, you know, you'll and go for another attack. So just being attacking on bottom instead of thinking about it uh, as a defense position, being able to attack on bottom. And uh, if I get my parterre good enough, you know, to where uh, I'm comfortable, you know, where, where I'm comfortable on bottom and I'm not worried about going down, it's only going to help me on my feet and uh, give me more confidence on my feet because uh, I'll be using parterre as a rest. So I'll be using parterre, you know, to, to hinder that guy's uh, mental game because, you know, they, a lot of people bank on Barter. They're going to score a lot. They're going to plan on scoring points from Barter. Yeah. If they can't score points from Barter, you know, that's going to change the whole match. No, I agree. That's a good uh, good analysis and right way to be thinking because you know as well as I do, you're going to go down first at the World Championships. Yep. 100%. Nah, I don't close. All right, and that was Ellis Coleman, who has emerged as a figure of leadership. You could kind of see this coming before this year, but now it's here. Ellis speaks, people listen. He's this person of influence, and he is thoughtful, analytical, introspective. And when he talks, you're always going to absorb something from him. And on top of everything, he is a dangerous guy to look out for in Budapest. If Ellis is healthy and he's clicking and everything's moving in the right direction, he's a threat to make the podium, if not the very top of it. So there's a lot to look forward to with this world team. There's a lot to be excited about through the summer leading up to the fall in Budapest. Hang out with us and we'll try to navigate you through it. If you would like to follow Dennis Hall on Twitter, we keep with this movement to get Hall on Twitter. He doesn't understand what his mic drop capability would be if he were to get involved in Greco-related or wrestling-related discourse. 
but so be it. Either way, if you'd like to tag along, that's at Dennis Hall WGW. For USA Greco-Roman news and athlete perspectives, fivepointmove.com, F-I-V-E, point move. And on Twitter, it's the opposite. It is actually numerical, at 5PTMove. That'll do it for episode 18. Next time, we'll be better with the audio. That's on me. Improvements are coming. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. show is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.